Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. fun of me for that one. I know you, Brad will be sure to remind me of that later. So good morning and welcome to Matthew's Table. We're glad that you're here with us on this chilly first Sunday. I haven't seen y'all since last year. Thank you very much. Okay, so 2021 is in the books and once again, God has been faithful to Matthew's Table and blessed us in so many ways and we're going to we're going to talk about some of those ways this morning. We've got a lot to cover uh, as fast as we can. We're casting the vision for next year or this year now and uh, going over what we want to call the game plan for 2022. Uh, so 2022 has arrived and it's time for us as a church to lay out our game plan or our strategy for this new year, which is why historically... We take this first Sunday of the year in our gathering where we are huddling up to go over the game plan to be sure that everyone knows what our strategy is for 2022. Now, I realize that many of you um, are not sports fans, but for practical illustration purposes, right? I love painting pictures so people can see. I'm going to use a lot of football analogies this morning. Is there anybody in here that doesn't know anything about the game of football? You don't. Okay. Bobby Bosley, you do too. All right. So uh, because, uh, so it, it is a bit risky. I, I, I realize that and I know, but it, it can be very helpful. So I'm going to explain the game of football to you real quick and why it matters. So in the game of football, it's like any other game. You have two teams and you have a ball. And the, the game is all about scoring points. And uh, uh, so where the game begins is one team kicks the ball down the field to the other. Now the field's 100 yards long. And once they receive the ball, they're on offense and the other team is defense and they're trying to get the ball into the end zone and so what they have to do is they have four tries to go 10 yards so that they can continue to go to go down the field now if they get to third down they have an option to where they can kick the ball play it safe kick the ball down the field to the other team to keep them away from their end zone and in other places during the game where they might score a touchdown, they'll have an opportunity to either kick the ball through the goalpost or do another play to score two points instead of one. The ball through the goalpost is one point. Uh, running or passing the ball uh, into the end zone is for two points. So you could either have a total of seven points for a touchdown or eight points for a touchdown. Are you guys following me? Are you with me? Okay. So when we're playing football, you you're, you got four turns 
Or on the third turn, you can play it safe, kick the ball down the field, get them away from your end zone, end zone and then play defense. That's the basic idea behind football. And that, may, that, that means something when I explain this to you because I want to introduce to you uh, a team um, called Pulaski Academy in Arkansas. It's a high school team. And uh, the name of the coach is Kevin Kelly. And Kevin Kelly knowingly and willingly applied for one of the worst teams in the whole state of Arkansas. It was a small team. They didn't have many students to draw from. They were well known for losing more games than ever winning any games. And so this guy decided he wanted to coach that team. And what he would do was approach the game differently than anybody else because the odds were against him. So he takes a team that has no chance of winning, really, and he researches and he finds a Harvard professor who had done the analytics or the statistics on thousands of game, football games where the teams who always played it safe and gave the ball back to the other team rather than being risky and, and, um, and going for it on fourth down or going for it uh, when they had scored a touchdown and go for the two, they found that the more chances that they had with the ball, the more possessions that they had, statistically, they would win more games because they would score more points. So he plays the game in such a radical way that everybody talks about him being a coach in football because he doesn't play it safe. That's how he approaches the game. Now, he's known as the coach that never punts. Why is that important? Because that's our strategy as a church. We are a smaller church, not much to pull from. Uh, we're not well known. We're not, we don't have a whole lot of money or resources. So our church is going to be the church that never punts, ever. We will always go for it. Okay, we will always continue trying to reach more people with the gospel. We don't want to play it safe. We want to play it non-traditional so that we can be successful in what we're doing. Now, now that all y'all, now that you guys know all that, we're going to start with our first example or our first practical illustration where we're in the locker room and our first uh, our first move is to review our previous game plan from last year. It's going to be the same one as this year. Well, then I've already heard some of this, right? I don't care. You need to hear it again, right? This is what we do. This is who we are. But we're going to review last year's game plan to address some weaknesses and then build on strengths, right? And as one of the coaches here, I can say we have a solid uh, game plan that comes straight from God's playbook, right? But we also have a few weaknesses that we need to talk about. And one of those weaknesses is that we have some folks who 
skip practices, and don't show up for the games. We have more fans than we do players, and this and that's where we need to improve the most. And again, why we're doing the game plan. Now, I understand some of you took some hard hits this last year, right? You lost people you loved, uh, career changes, whatever it may have been, and your good intentions for 2021 were intercepted, that's where the team takes away the ball, by our opponent, Satan himself. However, at Matthew's table, we don't give up, we get up and keep playing. That's part of never punting, right? Because one thing for sure is if we deviate from the playbook, the enemy gains the advantage, which which I've seen by the way, more this last year than ever where and 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 man, this is something I should have already addressed from the pulpit. It's like what's your position on some of these things that seem to be extremely relevant and 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 and, and so maybe uh, I dropped the ball on this, like as a church, like how do we view some of these things that are going on? Because more this year, year uh, than last year, uh, the church has allowed politics and personal opinions towards social issues that are of great concern. But I want to make it very clear, if the people of Matthew's table are going to argue over anything, it will be how we love God and how we love our neighbor better. I want you to hear me say this. I'm not being insensitive. I value your opinion. I care about your feelings, but I don't care which side you are on in relation to politics or current events. And you're not going to force me to pick a side. I'm on one team. That's God's team, right? And taking sides is called division. And Jesus said a house divided against itself false. So if you take a side, if it's important to you and your convictions are to feel strongly about this view or that view, all I want to know is how you're going to execute the game plan. That's it. If your conviction is to play it safe for good reason and you don't want to social distance and you feel strongly about masks or vaccinations or any of those things, you have the freedom to do that from a distance. We have ministries like the jail writing ministry where you can write letters to people in jail from home. You don't have to be here, right? And if you're the other way and you're going to show up and you feel strongly that you should be here for Christian fellowship and some of those things, then you need to be here. It's that simple, right? People are dying out there and they don't know Jesus. Now ask yourself, which one bothers you the most? People dying out there or them not knowing Jesus? That's all I want to say on that. That's our position. That's our game plan on those things. So now we've reviewed the tapes of last year's game, and all the weaknesses in our gameplay from last year are directly tied to not sticking to the plan. And it's really that simple. And as far as celebrating some of our strengths, overall, we played the game very well, and we scored big. For example, we cast a new vision statement in 2021, a church in the heart of the city with a heart for the city who's committed to lo looking, living, and loving like heaven, 
right? And we're fulfilling that through all of our ministry areas. That's our focus. That's going to dictate every decision we make. Our youth, they went to camp for the first time, right? First time ever in the history of Matthew's table, we sent our youth to church camp. We started a food pantry where we fed tons of people, and I'm really excited about moving forward. We we did our dollar club ministry where we provided food, shelter, and help with all kinds of physical needs for people that don't even come to this church, but now some do because of that, right? And we average almost $200 a week, so that's $800 a month, $9,600 a year that because of your all's generosity, we're giving to people who, if if we didn't do it, wouldn't have anything. We got we purchased the Show Love concession stand and recently got it wrapped. It's out back here if you'd like to see it, but we take that thing in the community on the first Saturday of the month and we serve different places um, food and we get to develop relationships with them and we, we, you know, we point them, we invite them to church and everything. They did uh, the Wendell Foster Center last month and they're doing a different place this month. So it's really exciting just to get out there, right? Due to church growth, like I said in the announcements earlier, we nominated new deacons, so we're adding to uh, what we need to help minister to and serve the individuals that are here. We started a show love event what, that we do once a year, and we invite all of the families here where people within the church adopt those families and walk alongside of them. So like, for example, uh, like when Easter comes or back to school comes or Thanksgiving or Christmas, you have one family that you've adopted and you communicate with them all throughout the year and you help provide them the things that they don't have for some of the things that we take for granted, right? Like it's really cool. Like we were well known initially and we're going to continue to be known for it, but where we would go and just uh, show love and drop stuff off. And, and what we recognized was although we want to keep doing some of those things, we weren't really gaining anything from it as far as just loving those where they're at, right? And that's who we are, and we're going to keep doing that. But this way, we get to bring them here, and we get to pour into their lives, and we develop relationships. And now, because of that, some of those people come to church every Sunday morning, right? So it's a good thing. Our Bring One Home campaign was not only fully met, $10,000, fully funded, but it helped bring two kids home. So God's good, right? We wanted to bring one home. We brought two home. And then after a very long period of time, we uh, going through all kinds of legalities and red tape, we finally transferred the building into our name. So this is literally Matthew's table. We hosted a three-day rally where we had tons of people show up. We had baptisms, confessions of faith, and the whole church went to the Cadillac and hosted a worship service there on their turf right? So God was good to us. He was faithful to us. Uh, we had a great year, and the reason is is because of our game plan. We're not punting, ever. We're going to keep pursuing people so that they can come to know Christ the way that most of us do. Now, all that during a pandemic because we had a good game plan, and we never punted. And because of that, God was kind and faithful and this year, we're going to have the same game plan. We're going to go over that this morning individually and collectively. But uh, this year, we will be celebrating five years as a church in May, the first Sunday of May. Now, 
I hope you guys understand how big of a deal that is because 90% of church startups fail. Nine out of 10 churches that start fail. And almost 70% of them don't even make it to four years. So not only did we uh, do something different by just stepping out in faith, and, and keep in mind, most church startups is where one church sends some of their people to start another church. That's called a church plant, right? So they have resources, they have funds, they have uh, people that's going to help uh, carry out the mission. We had none of those things. And now we're here with what we have that God has provided us. Not only do we have what God has provided us, but we're going to celebrate five years this year, which is uh, a phenomenal task, right? And so this year, we're going to bring one home again. We're going we're gonna to do the adoption fundraiser. We want to be known for uh, never punning and always, you know, the church wants to holler um, they're against abortion, but then the church never does nothing to help an adoption. So we're going to be a church that helps kids get brought home, right? We understand that we were an alien to God's uh, family, and he adopted us into his family. Therefore, we will be passionate about seeing children adopted into Christian homes and being a part of God's family, right? We're going uh, gonna to prayer walk the entire city this year. So when you go outside those doors, you'll see a map on the wall. If it's within the bypass that goes around, from what I understand, this church is going to prayer walk every street in Owensboro. Why? Because we have a heart for the city. And, and we want people to see us out there praying over their uh, property, praying over their neighborhoods because we love them and we care for them. We, don't, we ain't got to talk to them. Just know that Matthew's table has prayed on your street, right? And... Um, Nick, the pastor of Outreach and Discipleship, who does a phenomenal job in those areas, has big plans for us to grow uh, relationally. So the first two weekends of the month, we're helping, we're outreaching. The other two weekends of the month, we're going to do women's coffee and devotional on the third Saturday, and we're going to have a men's breakfast on the fourth Saturday. And that's so that we can grow inwardly. So we're going outwardly, and then we're going to grow inwardly. Right? Like we want, uh, we want everyone. Some of y'all been here for a year and you, you don't even know half the people that's here. So we got to grow inwardly. So some game plans win Super Bowls, but ours allow us to experience the supernatural, as you can see. And as a church, in 2021, we faced challenges of many kinds, but we persevered, we stayed the course, and we never punted because that's our strategy. Yet individually, I'm afraid many of us may have punted. You started strong, you had good intentions, but you fumbled the ball along the way. And it's why I'm guessing many of you are considering New Year's resolutions where you make all of these promises to yourself and your loved ones that you're going to make the necessary changes that are needed in your life, but by the third week of January, you quit. I can relate to that. Last night, um, my household sat down, me and my wife and my stepdaughter, and we planned 2022. 
and we happened to look back over our plan from last year. And by sharing the plan from last year, we realized we didn't do everything that we had planned to do. But there were some things that we did follow through because we had a plan. It's the responsible thing to do, right? Evaluate your previous year. Find areas in your life that you can change or improve. Set new goals in hopes of doing better this year. But we all know a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. You get that? This is a joke. One year out there. All right, seriously. Uh, so Zach Cammon had asked me to lunch the other day, and I was really excited because he never does that. So um, um, in, a, in a rush to get there, I'd forgotten some things, and I had to go back to the house and, uh, and get them. So when I finally got to where we were meeting to have lunch, Zach had already started giving thanks for the meal. He didn't want to wait on me, and this was his prayer. I just kind of stood behind him in quiet. He said, Dear God, my prayer for 2022 is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mix it up like you did last year. That was another joke, but seriously, you guys are a tough crowd. Seriously, we start eating and we, ha we have a little bit of you know, conversation. And I'm like, you know, Zach, what is one of your resolutions? And he said, my resolution is to read more this year. I said, well, that's, that's a really good one, right? Hopefully it's the Bible, but that's a really good one. Yeah. He said, yeah. So I put the subtitles on my TV. Another joke. Seriously. But getting serious now, I actually, we are, I actually researched the statistics out of curiosity to see how many people keep their New Year's promises, and 9.2% of people who make resolutions follow through with them. That's 9 out of 100, not 10. Nine out of a hundred, actually, by the third month of the year, have followed through with those promises they had, had kept. So, which means your chances of achieving just your, your average New Year goals are very slim at best. So, why waste our time making new resolutions where if history repeats itself, the statistics are against us? Truth is, for the Christian, we don't need a resolution, we need a game plan, where each one of us is individually focusing on God, growing in Christ, and reaching more people with the gospel. Because as much as I hate to break it to you, God could care less about your commitment to your new gym membership and more about your church membership. God could care less about eating more healthy and more about you eating more holy. I agree many of us need to get off the sweets and sodas, but the Bible says that man can't live off bread alone, but by the word of God. So God wants all of you this year because every year brings new challenges for all of us, but the advantage that we have is that the odds are in our favor because we're able to play or approach the game of life differently. We, we serve and follow the creator of life. And so this whole football analogy plays out 
because it's all about more possessions of the word, which makes you more successful. And so now that you know our strategy, here is our game plan that I have for each of us individually and collectively, right? So let's, let's look to the playbook. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be here on the screen, so I'm going to read it to you. You ready? Verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth or worldly things. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, is the word of the Lord. Amen. And I love this passage because of the rich wisdom that's clearly articulated as the means by which Christians should play the game. And because it's 2022, it's first down and 10 to go, and it's game time. So we're going to walk through that passage so that we can kind of or better understand what it is God would want all of us to do in terms of creating a game plan. So verse 1, seek the things that are above. So straight from the Christian's playbook, which is the Bible, the Word of God, Paul calls the first down play that helps us accomplish our mission. And the first play is to seek or set our hearts on kingdom things. We spent a large portion of 2021 walking through the Sermon on the, on the Mount, learning how to look, live, and love like heaven, learning how, or learning what Jesus would expect from a disciple. And uh, while using a biblical strategy that uh, is intended to set you up to be successful spiritually, and the way that we do that is we just follow the Bible's example. That's the playbook, right? So we have small churches where we do life together. We discuss the sermons from Sunday. We pray together. We do mission together. We meet in smaller groups outside of Sunday so that we can grow relationally, horizontal or horizontally, but also vertically. And we also started uh, the discipleship groups, which are the D groups. And there's really uh, nothing special to those other than you uh, purchasing a, D, a D discipleship Bible, asking a couple friends, gender specific, to get together and read the word together. We have marriage night, one Monday a month to help invest into our marriages and grow in our love for one another. We have Truth and Grace, which is a midweek Wednesday service so that you don't have to wait from one Sunday all the way to another Sunday. We have men and women's Bible studies that meet in between services on Sunday morning. We're also const uh, constantly being missional in some form or fashion where there's always a place to serve. You can get these bulletins and get with one of the leaders here at Matthew's table so that you can get in the game because I will say this, there are a lot of great churches to attend here in Owensboro if you're looking to just fill a seat. We don't need cheerleaders 
And we don't need commentators criticizing every play we make. We need committed players who not only show up, but suit up and want to make a difference in our community by making Jesus famous, right? Listen, you go to the movies or ball games to be entertained, but on Sunday, we have church. We gather together. We hear from the word, right? We listen from uh, the, the, the uh, heavenly play caller, right? And then we scatter. We go out and play the game of sharing the gospel with a lost world. Matthew's table's mission statement is to sow, that's what we do here on Sunday, grow, that's what we do in community, small churches, D groups, some of those things, and then we go, and that's when we're being missional, right? It's not sit, get, and spit. Here, let me explain it. It's not show up on Sunday, get fed from the Word, and then just get really fat as a Christian and spit up all over yourself. Right? This is so grow and go, not sit, get, and spit. I got to be careful because I want to say another word I shouldn't say because it rhymed, right? We believe everyone has a gift and a purpose and should play their part within the body of believers at the table. The question is, where and how are you serving? See, everybody wants the microphone because they don't realize their hands also fit a broom. Like, we have our own property now. We have our own home now. We have a clean team. Everybody's like, well, I'm, I'm surprised clean team didn't clean that over that. These are, these are servants, guys. We're not paying somebody to do this. We need more people to help clean and help be good stewards of what God has given us, right? A heart set on God is simply being committed to or concerned more about with what God wants from you rather than what you're hoping to get from God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's Matthew chapter 6, 33. He also said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you give the most attention to, what is your priority, basically, is your God. So we, we want to put others first. We want to live sacrificially. We want to extend grace to those who don't deserve it. We want you to share your faith. We want you to serve as often as you can. We want you to invite folks to church to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to give generously of your time, talents, and money. We want you to imitate God, not be spectators. And he promises to give you the desires of your heart when you do those things. Jesus said, your identity will always be tied to your heart. And why Paul says to set our hearts on God as our priority is pursuing God a priority in your life. Can you look back over last year and say God was your number one? Because to be blunt about it, we hope to make followers, not fans. Because our plan is to never be known as traditional. We're never going to play it safe, right? But rather, we want to be seen being radically giving God all the glory to a lost world. God has a lot of teams in this community that would be 
churches, for illustration's sake, that play the game. And while we're not better than any other team, we are different in how we play the game. We will do things that other churches don't do because that's what God has called us to do, right? And because I want to be clear, there's no trick plays here, right? There's no secrets. Our only requirement to be on this team is found in a, my, one of my favorite preachers of all times quote, Spurgeon quote, uh, that I want to share with you that sums up Paul's play calling in verse 1. If Christ is not all to you, he's nothing to you. He will never go into partnership as a part savior of men. If he be something, he must be everything. And if he be not everything, he is nothing to you. And that's why Paul says in verse 1, if then. If then means if you are a Christian, right? Christ will be your priority. And maybe last year you fumbled the ball along the way. Now you just need to turn back to him, right? And by doing so, we got a new year, a new chance. You'll gain positive yardage and be ready for second down. Second down is verse two. Second down, seven yards to go. The next play that Paul calls is to set your minds on things above, not on worldly things, right? Paul makes a clear distinction here that our minds should be focused on things above. It reminds me of uh, a famous theologian, D.L. Moody's quote that I love a lot. It says, a Christian should live in the world but not be filled with it. A ship lives in water, but if the water gets into the ship, she goes to the bottom. So Christians may live in the world, but if the world gets into them, they sink. Garbage in, garbage out, right? There's a whole lot of stuff that I give my attention to. I can be the easiest person distracted by a ton of things that are meaningless and add zero value to my life. But what I do know is the condition of my mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being is almost directly tied to where my mind is the most. When I'm reading, praying, and helping others, things seem to go a lot better for me. But when I allow my circumstances and other people's actions to dictate my thoughts, I'm consumed with fear, anxiety, and worry. And that's because when the vertical is out of line, the horizontal always gets messed up. And that's why Paul gives us this command, not because he expects that we'll never do it, Paul knows there'll be times where we get distracted, right? But because he knows that we will do it, and his prescription is for us to shift from the physical back to the spiritual. And when we refocus like that, it alleviates the delusion that I'm in control of my life. Every time I take my eyes, my focus, my mind off of God, I have a tendency to try and play God where I try to fix, manage, and control all things that aren't intended for me to fix, manage, and control. And it reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, how do you do that? You have to replace 
something with the word of God, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Renewing our mind is a matter of removing what's familiar or popular in culture and replacing it with God's word and will for our lives. So listen, we can't expect to be on our game if, we were, if we're not practicing, right? Practicing would be reading your Bible more, fellowshipping more with other Christians. Everybody wants to be the quarterback, but no one's willing to put the work to get there, right? So we have a lot of armchair quarterbacks trying to call shots here at Matthew's table, when in fact they just need to get into the game by reading the word and growing in their understanding and serving and humility and in gratitude and all those things, right? This year needs to be the year you commit to getting in the word and staying in the word. And while we highly encourage you guys to get into a D group, a discipleship group, if you have questions about that, you can get with me or Nick. We can explain that to you. But we also realize that time may not allow for you to do some of those things. You're already extremely busy doing a ton of things. So another option is you can download what is called Read Scripture. It's an app on your phone. And it's a read the Bible in a year thing. And I like it a lot because it has videos. I like watching videos of what I'm going to read, and it visually explains everything that you read. And in case that's not an option for you, um, I would encourage you to print off the F-260 plan. This is what the e-groups go through. Uh, it's 260 because at 260 days out of a 365 day year, you're going to be reading these selected scriptures. You're going to have memory verses and it's going to take you through a large portion of the Bible, but not all of it, because it focuses on uh, what is necessary, the most significant passage that reveals God's plan of salvation to you, right? So there's three options where you can set your mind on things above by reading the word this year, committing to doing a reading plan. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Some of you gotten off path and you can't, you, you don't know why, and it's because you're not reading the word. Some of y'all want to be in the game, but you refuse to study the playbook. Some of us need to change our screen time for some word time. And that's me, to be honest with you. So that we can gain positive yardage and get to third down, right? So third down, what's third down? Verse three, this is a critical down. So like if you're playing football and it's third down and four, you've got to get those four yards or it ends up being fourth down where you have a, cho a choice to continue to try and go for it or punt to the other team. So when you convert on third down, you always go back to first down and you have more chances. So this is really, really important because it allows you to keep moving down the field of 2022. So the next play is to stand tall with what I like to call Godfidence, not confidence. Trusting God, not ourselves. And verse 3 helps us understand how we do that. For you've died and your former life is hidden in Christ. 2021, wherever you fell short, made mistakes, or didn't accomplish things you wanted to, it's hidden in Christ. 
The cross overshadows all those things. You have a new chance now. And Paul makes it a point to remind us whose we are, what team we're playing for, because we all relapse on identifying with who we were. And it affects our focus and ability to play the game that God's called us to play. Some of y'all fail to walk into your calling because you're still wearing dead man's shoes. You get that? God has saved you and he's called you to something far greater than you could ever accomplish because you aren't meant to accomplish it. You just have to be in position to be used. If you're not dead, he's not done with you. It doesn't matter about the mistakes that you made. It matters that you continue to play the game. The problem is God forgets our sin, but we don't, do we? And it causes us the agony of being reminded of who we were or how we failed, and the enemy then uses that against us. It's like playing on uh, the, the other team's home field. And the noise, the crowd is so loud, we can't hear this play being called. And so we go through our day seeing ourselves the way the world labels us. We're not hearing the truth of God. And we begin to identify with their perspective. It causes confusion. We don't know what the play is. We done forgot, right? And, to, and failure to remember whose we are as opposed to who we were always steers up confusion in the heart and mind of the believer, causing us to treat our faith like we're taking office as a politician. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like somebody, some highfalutin feller or woman, they decide they're going to be uh, run for political office, and then all of a sudden all this dirty laundry starts coming out about them, Right? And that's what we do in our faith. We're like, man, I love the Lord. I'm following Jesus. And then somebody reminds you, oh, yeah, well, you've been to jail, so I don't know that you're that great of a Christian. And all of a sudden, we start identifying with that, right? And we start thinking of ourselves like a politician would who's in office. When, in fact, you can't worry about those things where they bring up your past. When the truth is, if you're in Christ, he died for all of your past, present, and future sins. And every bad thing that I've done testifies to how good he is by graciously dying for me. And then it gains me more positive yardage. But it still gets us to fourth down, fourth and one, where we're faced to make the decision, do we go for it or do we punt? And what I can tell you, being honest, many times in my past, even last year, I played it safe because I spent the majority of, of my time, whether I want to admit it or not, and as, as embarrassing as it is, trying to fit in with people who mattered none in the grand scheme of things. Worried more about what they think about me or what, I'm, uh, what decisions I'm making and, and what I'm doing in my life. Trying to seek acceptance from people rather than God. Conforming to the world to find my self-worth and value only to realize it was wasted time. Only to realize living that lie is committing identity fraud. Because the Bible says I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation, which means that old man has died and the man that stands before you this morning is alive in Christ. I attended the funeral of the old Roger Chilton 
and to go back to the funeral home daily trying to visit the, the coffin that's not there is what they call uh, a felony, to be honest. It's illegal, right? In the game of football, that would be uh, a, a, a penalty, right? Yeah, flag on the play. Yeah, I'm here to, uh, I'm here to uh, attend the funeral of Roger. Well, yeah, that was last week. Like, why are you here? That would be strange, would it not, right? So that would be a penalty, and it's why Paul reminds us, in Christ, our former life is hidden. And it begs the question why some of you all still walk around as if you're that old person when you make a mistake, because if the old you is dead, why would you want to keep that version of you alive? Why would you go back to identifying to that person? Because one of two things is happening. Either you're a lie or Jesus is a liar. And I would argue Jesus does not lie. Right? So here's what some of you need to know and others just need to be reminded of so that this year you won't punt and you'll always go for it. God sees the inside of you. Man looks at the outside of you. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at the outside. God looks at the inside. God cares less about who you were in 2021 and all about who you can be in 2022. And regardless of how you feel or think about yourself, Jesus said, it is finished. Isaiah 43, verse 18 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. And Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14 says, But the one thing I do, Paul says, the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Right? That means we should stand tall. We should place our confidence in the work God has done. That gives us Godfidence, not confidence. And before we close, for all of you here who, who may not know Christ, or for any of you who may not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today could be your day, right? We've all sinned. We've all felt short of the glory of God. And God generously and graciously gave the gift of salvation through Christ dying on the cross for you. And all you have to do is trust in Christ, and this will be the best year you ever had, I promise you. Now, back to my story from earlier. If you guys remember, I talked about Kevin Kelly and Pulaski Academy. When Kevin Kelly arrived at Pulaski Academy High School, they had never reached the city-county playoffs, ever. Because... But because he chose to play the game differently, they've now won eight state championships. College coaches are calling this guy and asking him what it is he's doing 
And all he's doing is he considered the odds, he looked at the statistics, and he chose to play the game differently. Matthew's table. We're sticking to our game plan this year where our hearts and our minds are focused on God because the church can't afford to change the plan. Well, why don't we come up with another plan, Roger? That'd be stupid. This is the best plan the Christian has. If hell is real and as horrific as the Bible says it is, then, and there are people out there who don't know Jesus, we ain't got time to play it safe. We got to play it differently. We need to get creative. We need to never punt. And we need to always go for it and continue to make Jesus famous. So let's close this morning by searching our hearts and making the decision to get into the game. And finally, uh, in the bulletin, I would encourage you guys to pick one of these up or just do it on your own. But I kind of laid out just uh, your family plan, your personal plan for the year, game plan 2022. And it just goes faith, family, and then your, your ministry or personal, right? Serving the church, serving in the community or any of those things. And so your faith could be, look, I'm going to read the Bible this year. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to join the prayer team. I'm going to serve at church. I'm going to do any of those things for your faith. And then your family, like set goals for your family that you can accomplish. Be wise about the things that God has given you and the opportunities that we have. And then your ministry, like what is your ministry? Choose some, you could serve here, or there's tons of ministries within Owensboro that could use your help, I promise. Mentor Kids, CareNet, any of those places would love for you to serve there, right? Friends of Sinners. And, but finally, we do this every year and we're going to do it again. We're asking that you choose one person or one family or one group or one something and pray for them every day for the whole year. Pray for your one to come to Christ, to know Jesus the way that you do. So as we close in song this morning, think through this. What is your plan moving forward? It has to look what, like what we talked about, setting our hearts and our minds on Christ, being reminded that any mistake that we've made has been hidden in Christ, knowing which team we're on so that we can play the game that we need to together. Will you sing with us? Will you worship the Lord with us? Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.